Welcome to the Here on Speakerphone podcast, a podcast about two women celebrating the good days and navigating the hard days in the corporate world. Join us as we try to figure it out. And by the way, you're on speakerphone. Hey guys, and welcome back to the You're On Speakerphone podcast. Today you're on with Deborah and Taylor. I'm Deborah. I'm Taylor. So we took a couple of things offline last week. Taylor, how was your week? It was stressful. Mm. It was a lot. It's a busy week. There's a lot going on. I think it's that time of the year when there's a lot of things going on before people go on vacations, and mm. it's a good time for rollouts. I've been a little bit overwhelmed, mm-hmm. but I took some stuff offline last week. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to loop it all in together. Mm-hmm. See what I did there. And I reached out to a couple of coworkers. So I had a couple of constructive criticism conversations that I had to take this week. And I reached out to a couple of people who I think do a really nice job of this. And they gave me I, some... I wasn't one of them, but it's fine. No, I don't think you do a good job of it. I, I'm not the best. <laughs> know your strengths and your weaknesses. But I reached out to a couple of coworkers who I think do a really nice job of it. And they stick to the policy and they have really good pointers. And I can talk about like kind of what I want to say. And they help me rephrase it to make it a more effective communication tool. And it really did help. It really did help frame, you know, how how I did those conversations. And I still wish I could go back and redo them again and again. But I think that also that comes with experience. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot about whenever I go into any situation, I always look back and I'm like, ah, hindsight's 2020. I wish yeah. I would have done this a little bit better. But again, I just have to remind myself that comes with experience. So for what I could do in the moment and reaching out to people who I think did a good job, I think I did a pretty good job. And I was glad to have reached out to people who succeeded in that area. Proud of you, boo-boo. Please don't ever call me that again. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, Deborah, what did you take offline? Tell me about it. Jesus. Um, so I took offline, basically, that I was going to work with um, the trainee that I have um, using the super cool method that Taylor brought to us um, of the I do, you watch, we do, you do, I watch, you do. Um, and, and to be completely honest, so it, it was only a week, so we haven't necessarily gotten through all four steps of that yet. Um, but there were a couple of really simple things um, that he and I were working on together where um, I think we at least got through the first two steps where I would do it the first time, he would watch me do it, and then we got to do it together. So hopefully next time I'll get to kind of shadow him. But so far I feel like it's been doing it's been doing a good job. I'm so glad that I could help enhance the training program for you and your training in your in your location. We're forever in debt to you, Taylor. Thank you. I don't just remember that come time that I need a favor. Today we wanted to talk a little bit about finishing up school. So whether you're going from a college environment um, to a professional environment or a high school environment and you're jumping right into the workforce and going into that professional life, uh, it's a big change, huh? It, that's an understatement. Yeah, I think um, when I, so I'd had internships, I'd had jobs from the time I was 16, um, like pretty consistently through college and everything like that. So I thought when I jumped into the professional world, like I already knew it was going to happen. But it was definitely a whirlwind to say the least. Yes, I think you get a little bit of a taste of it in internships and things like that. But you know, all the movies lie to you. So that's not super (laughs) helpful either. So what we wanted to do today is kind of explain our experiences and explain what that transition looks like and talk a little bit about, um, you know, for those of you who are moving into the workplace from college, how to best navigate that. We 
wanted to start off this week's topic actually with a quote that I heard during my commencement of high school. Uh, the speaker said, I don't believe in luck. I believe in preparation. That's and good. That's something that I really feel translates into these times of transition for everyone, whether you're going from high school into college, high school into a career, college into a career, it, it, it could really apply anywhere. And so one thing that I felt like I really took away from this whenever I first started work is being prepared and understanding that people who are doing really well are probably working really hard behind the scenes Mm -hmm. to be prepared to make sure that they succeed. Yeah, I think when you're going into a new job, um, so, all right, we we all went through high school, we all went through college, and I feel like in the world of academia, there's... To some extent, you can wing it, right? Especially when you're a senior. So you're going – I always like to look at it in the sense of you're going from being a senior to a freshman, right? A freshman in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Like, you're brand new. So by the time you get to the end of high school or you get to the end of college, like, you've kind of figured it out a little bit, right? Yeah, you know how to play the system a little. Yeah. So – and I'm guilty of it, too. Definitely during my senior year of college and my senior year of high school, I got senioritis, and I got used to winging it a little bit, probably not putting in the proper prep. Um, But then you're going into the workplace, which is – Um, you know, even different from going from high school to college, it's still academia. Going into the workplace is a totally different ballgame. I was going to say beast. uh, Or a different beast. Um, Yeah, to that point, it is a beast. Um, So in that sense, you're a freshman again, and you got to put in that prep, or it's just not going to fly, right? 100%. And that's something actually that I was burned by. Um, So to kind of take it back to, let's say, the week before I started or actually thinking back, it was the night before and I was in my new apartment and I had my outfit all picked out and I was ready to go. I was going to show up early. It was going to be great. Um, and I started rereading all of the letters and the emails that I got from the company. And I realized there were some details that I missed some things that I was supposed to take action on that I didn't. And that is so embarrassing. I was so, it made me even more insecure. And so that's something that I could have prevented for myself just by being a little bit more prepared. So that's one thing that I think is important to note is that read everything, right? Make sure that you know everything you need to know going in, that you have all the materials that you need, and that you get a good night's sleep the night before your first day. Hmm. And on your way in, account for traffic. That sounds so silly. But I remember driving and there was a road blocked for some reason to Um. the office. And I was going to be there 30 minutes early, and I ended up showing 15 minutes early, which isn't that big of a difference. But had I not even built that in, I feel like Uh showing up late would have just put me off on the wrong foot. What was your first day like? Yeah, so take it from someone who's been there. The traffic thing is a huge game changer. You're already so nervous, typically, I would say. It's your first day. It's a new company. Or even if you've, like, interned with them or something, it's still, like, you're you're official now. Like, you're a real person there. Um, so that's different. And there's already, you know, so much anxiety, at least in my head, that was going on. So I think, like Taylor said, t- being able to prep for everything that's controllable um, makes you feel so much better. I remember my first day was fairly similar. Um, you know, I think you and I are both pretty punctual, punctual people. So, um, brand new apartment. I was already feeling a little bit like disheveled because I had just moved into my apartment like two days earlier. So things still weren't unpacked. I still didn't feel like completely settled in that. So doing everything that I could ahead of time, like Taylor said, get my clothes ready. So I feel comfortable with 
that, accounting for traffic, um, making sure that you read all of that stuff ahead of time. Guys, I know it's not the most interesting thing in the world. Like no one's saying that, but it'll make you feel so much better when you go in for that first day. Mm -hmm. And so you go on your first day and you meet everyone and it's exciting and you're usually taken out to lunch and life is great. (laughs) And so then you're flying high, right? And you actually go through all of your onboarding stuff, which you probably have to do your first day. Yeah. And now you're actually a weekend, mm-hmm. right? Let's talk a little bit about that experience. What was your first week experience like? My first week experience was literally so overwhelming. And that's not like because of where I work or really the type of person I am or anything. I think everyone's first week is so overwhelming. And I had interned for the company I ended up working for previously. I think we mentioned that. So I already had a little bit of an idea of, you know, the company culture and just, you know, I knew a couple of people there. So I can't even imagine how much more overwhelming it would have seemed if it was a completely new company that I literally had only met like the people that I interviewed reviewed with or whatever right and I feel like a lot of people are in that boat 100% yes yeah so I think my first week with it being so overwhelming there's so many new things First of all, you're meeting new people, um, and it's important to try and remember those new people to the best of your ability. People are going to give you grace. They get that They get that it's overwhelming, I think. Yes, they do, and my favorite tip for that is one that I learned in college is that whenever somebody in- introduces themselves, repeat their name back to them. Mm-hmm. So if Deborah were to meet me for this time and said, hi, my name's Deborah," I would say back, hi, Deborah. it's nice to meet you. I found that that really helps in remembering everyone's name and also trying to assign a, an attribute to them. Yeah. Um, so in my had I met Deborah and Deborah looks just like me um (laughs) so things like that or something that they said to really help glue that in your memory um that will significantly help you so you know who you're talking to um I completely agree and there's all so first you're meeting a lot of new people um and then you're also learning a lot of new company lingo right so people are probably talking to you about um what they do on a day-to-day basis what you're going to be doing on a day-to-day basis and they're throwing out probably a ton of acronyms and words that you're still getting comfortable with you may have heard them um during your interview or you may have heard them in like your academic setting but then when they actually like take form in like a true physical sense in the workplace it's totally different totally different so many acronyms (laughs) I remember I used to keep a notebook and I would write down anything any phrase that I didn't understand any acronym acronym that I didn't know and whenever I would get one-on-one time with my mentor I would say okay what does this all mean and can you explain this to me please and kind of created my own working dictionary yeah um to help me navigate what that working life is like and what that culture is um and during this phase or during these first couple of weeks, you want to meet everyone and you want them to know you and you want them to know that you're good and that you're worthy of this job. And you are, you're there. There's a hundred percent reason that you're there. You are, you are worth investing in. So I think that's important to remember. And for me, this is really tough where I want to talk, talk, talk. Yeah. I want you to know how great I am. I want you to know how invested I am and how much, how excited I am to be there. And here's some things about me. Yeah. I think it's important though to pause and listen Twice more than you speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is so helpful in the long run because things have to glue in your memory. You have a lot to take in. Um, you know you and they will know you. But at first, you need to take it in and you need to know them first. So, Taylor, I know you said that that's something that's difficult for you. Was there any like tangible things that you did during your first couple of weeks to ensure that you were doing that? Like, Was it a conscious thing? Was it hard? 
it was super hard and I don't think I did that good of a job at it to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I looking back, I kind of came at things pretty hard and I was, Mm -hmm. I mean, an aggressive version of myself, Mm -hmm. um, when I'm naturally kind of aggressive as it is. And so that's one thing that looking back, I wish I had done, Mm -hmm. um, and not interjected so much, not spoken over people so much. I don't think it caused an issue, but definitely was something that I wish I could have worked on. I think that's something you're actually very good at. So how do you do that? Help me. I, I think it almost for me comes from like self-preservation. I'm so afraid of sounding stupid. (laughs) Um, so when I'm in a new environment or like a new job, for instance, um, like I, and I get overwhelmed super easily. So I like need to take it all in and like process it in my head. And then um, I I did the same thing as you did where I write down things I don't understand because I feel like for me, I want to fit in so bad and I want to like know what I'm doing. Um, So I feel almost stupid asking a bunch of questions. But on the flip side, that's what I would say is so we're kind of on two opposite ends of the spectrum where on my end, like I wish I would have asked more questions. Um, I feel like I could have been less in the dark about things and felt a lot more comfortable in my new role a lot sooner if I would have had the confidence to just ask those questions to the correct people at the correct time right that's like that's the kicker like the right person at the right time or else um or or else like I said you do kind of just come off as like a busybody yeah (laughs) yeah I mean if we're being honest um so yeah I think during your first couple of weeks your first couple of months honestly listen twice as much as you speak. Um, but, but also don't be afraid to like ask the questions when you need to be, there's no sense in staying in the dark about things that you don't have to. Right. Exactly. And I think I remember reading somewhere that, uh, moving and starting a new job or starting a new school is some of the, no, I told you this. this You? Yes. Oh, okay. Why don't you say it then? I'm just trying to add to the conversation, Deborah. You didn't bring it up. Go ahead, Deb. Excuse me. Taylor didn't read this. I gave her this wonderful piece of wisdom that I got from my dad. Um, so when, when you start a new job also, you, you, a lot of times you have to move somewhere and we're going to get all into that in another episode, just you wait. Um, however, there are a couple of life factors that are considered to be, um, some of the most stressful times in your life. And the thing is they don't always sound like something bad. So I think when we think of stress, we think of negative, right? Like something bad that's happening, like a death in the family or losing your job. But actually some of the most stressful factors in life can be moving, starting a new job. So stress doesn't always have to come from something negative. Sometimes it just, or oftentimes it just comes from pure change. And I think that's conflicting, right? In your heart of hearts, because you're so excited about it and it's such a good thing. And everyone's telling you all of these amazing things, but at the same time, you and your heart of hearts are like, okay, I need to take all of this and I need to listen to this. I need to be prepared. And there's all of these things going on in the background and in your personal life And that can be difficult to have to say like, yeah, it's so exciting, but I'm still pretty stressed out and having a hard time. It feels like a roller coaster. Yes. And that's funny you say that. Um, My dad tells me to get off the roller coaster. Um, I go once a week, maybe (laughs) on a good week. Um, So to define a little bit about what the roller coaster is, and my dad told me this my entire life, is... Dads are great, aren't they? They're the best. Um, (laughs) Especially we have great dads. Go Bill. And... Mark. Mark. I don't know why. Mark Armstrong in his closet. (laughs) So for that, I think my whole life, he told me, Taylor, get off the roller coaster. And 
the roller coaster happened when something new was starting in my life, almost always. So I would get on the roller coaster and things would be great. I'm flying high. We're going up the hill. You know, it's exciting. There's a lot going on. And then eventually the roller coaster drops and you have some bad times. I remember flying so high my first couple of weeks, right? Yeah. You are making money and you're making, you make meeting new people. Oh, and the money is so good when you're just out of college. (laughs) So good. And, you know, you are living in a new place and you have a new apartment or whatever. And like all of these exciting things are happening and you feel on top of the world, but pretty soon there's a drop and it's the first time responsibility hits. The first time you have to do something that you didn't necessarily envision yourself doing, or you get put in a stressful situation or you underperform or some kind of reality kicks in and you just drop. And then this cycle will continue over and over again if you let it. So one thing that my dad is always says is like get off the roller coaster, right? Because it's important to know the roller coaster always ends. Right, but that's super hard. Like, what do you do to get off the roller coaster, quote unquote? Um, call my dad usually. And he <laughs> tells me to get off, and I have to chill. But really, what happens in those conversations is I have to take a deep breath, and I need to quit spiraling in my head. Uh-huh. I need to quit saying like, "Well, there was a drop." Uh, 30 seconds ago, there's going to be another drop now, and then that's going to happen. And in my head, I just, like, keep seeing all the drops, and I don't see the happy parts of it. Right, but I'm sure that took practice. Like, when you when you first started your job a couple of years ago and those first couple of months, I mean, I feel like the first couple of months are, like, the hills on the roller coaster that are, like, boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. Um, like, that's a one, big drop. No, like, one after another. It's not, like, a slow, ca- like, slow climb, and then you drop, and then a slow climb. It's, like, very bumpy those first couple of months yep. not necessarily huge highs and huge lows because typically you don't have like a ton of responsibility yet but like it's a lot more just like agitating in a sense so like what did you do to like get yourself into that mindset first I had to let myself crash and feel low like yeah. I, I had to just feel how I felt mm-hmm. um but I couldn't let myself stay there too long and that was the hard part I had to often and I, with the help of a lot of other people have it put into perspective I needed help with Someone saying to me, this isn't the biggest drop you're ever going to see. This is going to continue, but you're not completely out. It's not completely out of your control. Mm -hmm. You can control how you feel. Um, And so it's, I think, um, good to know that, you know, reaching out for that help and having somebody to help you put that in perspective and say, okay, yep, it's really tough right now. Welcome. Welcome to the adult world. Yeah. It sucks sometimes, but it's also great sometimes. And mm-hmm. you need to have that perspective and you need to get yourself in a place after you already feel pretty crappy because mm-hmm. you're supposed to feel crappy, right? That's mm-hmm. how we learn. I read this really good book called The Defining Decade. A friend gave it to me and it's, I highly recommend it. I don't know who wrote it or anything like that, but what it talks about is kind of what's happening in the, um, like neurology of your brain as a 20 something. Oh. And, um, it talks a lot about, this is a time similar to when you're a child where, you have all of these neurons firing and you're creating all of these memories. And then over the course of your 30s, 40s, the rest of your life, it begins to prune. So huh. my favorite example of it is, let's say you send an email with a typo in it <laughs> or incorrect information uh-huh. and your boss emails you back correcting that. Wow. Feels you're 25. Feels like the end, feels of, like the the end of the world. world. <laughs> end of the world, right? Um, however, in contrast to... Um, a big meeting with your, let's say, uh, higher up at the company. Yeah. And in that, in that slide, in one of your slides, your information's incorrect and you get caught out in the boardroom. 
very different, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to feel the same, but you have perspective to understand. And with the pruning aspect that takes place in your brain, that, you know, that typo now no longer feels like a big issue and it's no longer as scary. And therefore you're not going to feel the same way again. And I feel like I, you know, I'm only 25, but I feel like from when I was 21 and I was that intern sending an email even to now, I'm like, there's bigger fish to fry at this point. Like, yeah, I'm still like, Deborah, you idiot. Like, come on, you can do better than that. But like, I think about it for 10 seconds, then I'm like, all right, like bigger fish to fry, moving on. You know what I mean? And I would have literally sat on that for the rest of the day back then. Exactly. And that's part of, and that's why it's important to sit in it. Um, and to feel those feelings because that you're literally learning, like your body is literally preparing you for the rest of your life. And I think it's important to understand the kind of neurology of what's happening in your brain and giving yourself, like how we talk about giving yourself grace. This is one way you give yourself grace. Yeah. You sit in it, you feel uncomfortable by it. You're disappointed and upset with yourself. Totally fine. Mm-hmm. But then it's important that you then prune that away. You move forward and you give your, and you know, in your heart of hearts, there will be some perspective on this and it probably won't feel the same way again. And eventually you're able to get off the roller coaster that way. And I think, yeah, that's great. Sometimes you're able to just do that yourself. But I think to your point that you brought up before, sometimes you need help. Um, and I think that there's different types of help you can look for in your 20s. Sometimes it's going to that colleague that we talked about, um, I think, last episode, yep. um, where you're going to that colleague and being like, listen, I had this typo. Like, I can't stop thinking about it. And they might be like, dude, that happened to me last week. Like, it sucks, but like, I'm over it. Like, you'll get through it. Or maybe it's going to a friend who works for a different company and having the same perspective or that friend being like, listen, I've known you for 10 years. Like, that happens, but you're a better person than that. Like, I know that. Or maybe it's going to a parent. Um, I know during my like first six months in the working world, I like hit this point where I was just literally so stressed out that like, it was like affecting my like, health like Mm -hmm. I I, like I was just a mess and I just had to like I had to call my mom (laughs) Um, and my mom came out and she stayed with me for a little bit as she like cleaned my apartment and made me dinner I had the same thing happen but like bought me groceries and like I was so hesitant to do that because I'm like Deborah, you're an adult like you like what do you like it felt like a failure but it's not like it's my mom like she's gonna be there whether I'm 22 or whether I'm 42 too I hope <laughs> exactly and it and I think that's part of being an adult right and sometimes it's professional help that you need to seek as well mm. I think sometimes there's value in talking to a completely disconnected person from the rest of your life who can give you an outside perspective mm-hmm. I think that is just as helpful and it's up to you to decide what works best for you mm-hmm. um it's funny how you kind of talked about the different types for me I have like an escalation process that I use <laughs> which sounds silly but when something happens I will talk to that coworker. um I don't get what I need I go I... to a friend I don't get what I need. I'll call my dad. Like, it's funny that, like, there's this, like, escalation yeah. process, and the, and then I kind of can gauge what's going on and how I feel about it. Yeah. But the most important part of it is being an adult is also understanding that sometimes you need help, and you're not supposed to do it alone. We're no. not meant to do these things alone, and it's a, doing a disservice to you. Yeah. Agreed. It's that time again, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for us to take it offline. Take it offline. Tamara, please stop being weird. <laughs> Everyone's uncomfortable now. Can we just get through the segment, please? All right, Taylor, what you taking offline? I think I'm going to stalk some... I'm not going to stalk anyone. <laughs> Let's just be clear. I don't have that kind of commitment. All right, can we just have full disclosure that this is the second time Taylor and I are recording this because I screwed up the first time and she has screwed up on how to say this now two times in a row. Like, you had another chance and you still Listen. messed up. Listen, I'm human. 
again, not perfect. <laughs> it's just how I talk. I am who I am. So I said, I'm going to keep chocolate on me in case I have a bad day. And hopefully I'll come back to you guys and my bad days won't seem so bad because I found some good chocolate. That's my takeaway this week. How about you, Dan? I agree. It doesn't always have to be so deep. I'm copying you. Yeah, it's not that deep. Um, So next week we'll come back with our favorite chocolate brands because I am going to keep some chocolate on me for the celebrations. So you can either have your chocolate for when you're drowning your stars, you've had a bad day, or you have your chocolate when you are celebrating your successes. Love that. Come well, back guys, with our favorite chocolate brands. Yes. We are going to eat a lot of chocolate. Yeah. You know? Just every day. But we are going to have to hang up now either way. So <laughs> I hope you guys find your favorite chocolate brand. Follow us on your on speaker phone. On Instagram. On Instagram. <laughs> I can't remember if it's like podcast is at the end of it or not. It's just straight up your on speaker phone. Your on speaker phone on Instagram. Yes, that. And follow us on there and comment. Let us know what your favorite brands of chocolate are. And we will talk to you guys soon. Have a great rest of your week. We're going to hang up now. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey guys, if you liked this episode, we have a quick favor to ask. Please go ahead and rate us and leave us a review on either iTunes or Spotify, and we will see you in a couple weeks.